We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, you might think about taking Jesus Christ as your Savior instead of fooling around with all this stuff. Ah, Jesus. This is Dirt and Sprague. I like him very much. He no help you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. What the hell's going on out here? Well, Nick's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live Was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. That's all we got. One damn hit. I can't say damn. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The fans. All right, welcome back in. Hour two. Dirt and spray again. From across the sea. The Odyssey app, 99.5 HD2. 1080 AM and YouTube.com backslash 1080 The Fan. Comment section's fired up on YouTube this morning. Is it? Everybody's, they're all, they're all ready to go on a football Monday. Are we giving Dobbs our flowers in the comment section? A lot of, a lot of Dobbs thoughts. Yeah. We've got a lot of C- Seahawks fans not happy right now in the comment section. Ready to move on from Pete Carroll, Ooh, bring back Russ. <laughs> Wait, really? We're going there? I think some of it's tongue-in-cheek, okay. but uh, that was that was not good at all. That was embarrassing. That was bad. It's one thing, because Swag and I went against each other in spring line in that game. It's one thing to maybe be wrong and, oh, the Ravens win by a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. That was, no, we're just going to physically manhand you, manhandle you, and you can't do anything about it. And Gino, you're going to throw a pick to Gino. <laughs> that was just dreadful. That division lead did not last very long. What a waste of gas money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just stay home. Just forfeit the game. Why'd you even go? If you missed the first hour, you can always catch it at 1080thefan.com. That's the Service Patriots podcast section. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at Service Patriots dot com slash the fan uh, also you can uh, reach us at the vancouver ford text line 503-864-6326 they treat you right before during and after the sale visit them for more info at vancouverford.com and as dirt mentioned 
the YouTube comment section as well. It actually stays pretty uh, hospitable for the most part. Doesn't get too dirty in there. Hey, our listeners are awesome. We love you. We might get there. I got a take at seven fifteen. Oh. I don't think you're gonna like. Oh, uh, God. so we'll get to that. You shut your mouth over there. I, I, I will shut my mouth. Dirt. I, I, uh, I really think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm leaning towards certainty. Certainty that Pac-12 is gonna have two Heisman finalists in New York for the award. It's, uh, yeah. You paint, I, yeah. A, paint a scenario with me where Knicks and Penix aren't there. I don't know if you can. You'd have to have a collapse like Oregon had last year. Like, lose this weekend to USC and then lose the Civil War. If that happens, Bo Nix is not going to New York. I don't know about that, man. Jaden Daniels got concussed, knocked out. Bama beats that LSU team by two touchdowns. Like, Ohio State pulled away from Rutgers, but again, their candidate's a wide receiver who... Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have better numbers than some of these Pac-12 wide receivers. I Michigan thing is weird, and I, I think people are trying to stay away from it. Gabriel's falling off. Ewers isn't playing. Like yeah. Georgia doesn't really have a guy. No, Brock Bowers would have been their guy, but he's he out maybe hurt. for the rest I, of the year. I I don't know if there's a scenario, and I think you can make an argument. There should be three. I, I despite the guy crying in his mom's arms, <laughs> which is what the Huskies drove Caleb Williams to do. I think his head coach drove him to do that because he doesn't take defense seriously. Well, that too, and he fired his D coordinator. <laughs> I I think the Pac-12 is at least going to have two in New York for the award, and cool. I would argue they should have three because I know Caleb's team isn't amazing. Amazing. Caleb is single-handedly done for that team what no other player is kind of asked to do for his. So I, I, I think there's at minimum dirt a guarantee of two players in New York. I have made the argument now for two weeks, and I thought about it on Saturday as their games were going on at the same time. I found it hilarious that Jaden Daniels got all the attention in the world as a dark horse Heisman. Here comes LSU. And Caleb Williams, we just kind of punted on and moved on. Well, he's having a down year. It's not the normal Caleb Williams. Dude, their numbers are identical across the board. Daniels had a few more rushing yards coming in, uh, but Caleb has more rushing touchdowns. Passing numbers are nearly identical. And it was hilarious to watch them both play. My thumb got burned out on Saturday evening, going back and forth between Alabama, LSU, and USC and Washington. Both of them having moments where you're like, Jesus, these guys are incredible. But then you're realizing, again, that they play on the same team. They're an elite offensive team with a horrendous defense. And there's nothing that a quarterback can do when that's the case. Alabama just shredded LSU in the second half. Milrow ran all over them. They had no hope of winning that game because their defense can't get stops. And here comes Caleb Williams, who was like amazing on Saturday night. Dude, that guy, every time I watch him, I'm just in awe of how talented he is, but his defense gave up 52 points and they lost the game. It wasn't his fault that they lost. So I I have been arguing that for two weeks. If you're going to give Daniels the Heisman love, Caleb Williams deserves it as well. And I don't necessarily disagree with anything you're saying. I think you would have to go to a pretty extreme example of a uh, of a scenario in which Penix and Bo are not in New York at the end of the year. Yeah. And and look, knock on wood, I those scenarios can exist, but. If you're staying healthy and you look at the schedule, I don't yeah. I don't really see those scenarios being realistic for them. I think both of them, too. Like, Penix had his weird game against ASU. Offensively, they were just off in that game. I don't know what the hell was going on. He bounced back great against Stanford. Defense was their problem in that game. He had a couple incredible throws against USC on Saturday. That one where he escaped pressure on third and long. On the sidelines. And threw a touch. Yeah. Like, just, holy hell, man, what a play. Hell, hell of a catch, by the way, too. Great catch. And it was that was an awesome touchdown. Uh, and I think Bo is also playing his best football of the year. So I think these yeah. two guys are kind of on a collision course right now. We'll see how the last three weeks of the season goes, but they both seem to be hitting their stride when you need to to be in that Heisman conversation. It's got to, you know, Caleb took some some flack. I saw somebody named Jim Nagel 
who is on Twitter. He's a scout, mm-hmm. an ex-exec. I think he helps run the Reese's Senior Bowl or something. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I, I don't. I hope I didn't get butt cracked sports, but I saw a tweet from him, and I went to his account. I couldn't find the tweet anymore, so I'm wondering mm-hmm. if he got a lot of blowback. Deleted it. He basically had a still image of Caleb Williams, who went to his mom and gave her a hug and kind of got emotional. Yeah. And said, "Red flag." My quarterback can't oh, be this emotional. You cannot go crying. Again, I don't know if I got interneted or if that was real, but I looked at that. And I'm like, it's such a ridiculous take. This guy has asked to do so much for that USC team. And I I, I know, Sprague, USC gets their flowers. They're your preseason number one. I, I, I know. But watching him play, there's such a slim margin between success and failure for them as a team that when he fumbles – Oh, they have no chance to win. It's an offense like Washington. Deep in their own territory, yeah, no Washington gets the ball. What do they do? They score a touchdown. There you go. And and it goes from USC feeling comfortable and having a lead to, oh, no, UW's come back and tied it. And that was kind of the difference for him because UW didn't look back at that. And in the same way, I'm saying Knicks and Penix, I think you can basically reserve their seating now in New York. You know, Penix had some good throws in moments, no doubt. That game kind of morphed into the second half of the Dylan Johnson game. Mm-hmm. He rushed for over 220 yards. He was an absolute monster. <laughs> they could not stop him. They couldn't. What's the point of throwing Penix a million times if you just run? I think he, at one point he was averaging 11 yards a carry. Yeah, I think he finished up like <laughs> so two. That is insane. Every time he runs. 60 and four tuds. I mean, that's insane production. And they I had like 13 rushing yards against Arizona State two weeks ago. Isn't that crazy? They had like 13 carries for 13 <laughs> yards as a team two weeks ago. I, I, yeah. I think my takeaway watching <laughs> UW and USC, because it was prime time, it felt like a big event. It, it was, was a great game. And I, I know how you feel. I like seeing the white, purple, and gold in L.A. against that team. The aesthetics were really pleasing for me. <laughs> I, I know. But for all of what we've talked about, man, suddenly UW could find it again, huh? Like when the game mattered and it was a slightly bigger opponent, there wasn't quite the struggle bus that we saw against ASU to have almost no offense. And Stanford was like, Hey, we might lose to Stanford. We probably should lose to Stanford, but they can't convert a fourth and three. Here you go. We escape. Well, then they go to L.A. wondering, oh, are they going to show up? I mean, yeah, they gave up 42 points, but to a damn good offense. Mm -hmm. They showed up, and they showed out. And turns out the Huskies' problem is they kind of play to their opponent, I guess, is what I would say. Sure, and that would be a danger. And going forward, you don't want to do that on a regular basis because eventually – you're going to put yourself in a situation that's a little little uncomfortable. I'm really curious to see how the next two weeks go for November them. November 18th in Corvallis. Circle that one. Dude, they got Utah at home this weekend. That's oh. only a nine-point line, which is interesting to me. I don't you like That's a game you should win. We just saw Oregon and Utah and yeah. how that looked. Like That's one. You get them at home. But yep. That should not be a threat to you. And then you go to Corvallis. I think the Washington State game at the end of the year, we can punt on that one. They will dominate them. The Cougs have all sorts of issues. Wow. And dear God, that was a bad loss what on Saturday. What happened in Pullman? I don't know. How did they score 38 on your team? Seven? How do they beat Oregon State? Make that make sense. They have not won a game since then. They've lost five in a row. I can't make it make sense because and they in the moment in like half of their games. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it was? It was their start. Because if you go check the second half, that yeah. was not that wasn't a one-sided affair. No, they were up 21 going into the fourth quarter and Oregon State came all the yeah. way back and almost got an onside kick. I you know the the Washington USC game was if we could have gambled college football legally, I I would have cashed. I would have bet yeah. an unsafe amount of money Same. on the over in that game. Yes. USC's defense, like, I'm, I, I, you can give Washington their flowers for scoring 52. That's fine. Like, we're talking about maybe the worst defense in the history of Power 5 football. 
Like, I'm not being like, dude, there are 133 teams in, in, in FBS football, okay? 133 teams. Yeah. Take that in consideration as I read off these stats. 133 teams. They are 124th in scoring defense, 122nd in total defense, Yikes. 120th in rush defense. They're giving up nearly 200 yards a game on the ground, 107th in pass defense, 128th in 10-plus yard plays allowed, 132nd in plays uh, of, of 20 yards allowed. Like They are one of, if not the worst defense in all of football. They have been playing football at USC since 1889. That was the first season USC played football. They have never, in the history of their football program, allowed their opponent to score 34 or more points in six consecutive games. They have been playing football for 134 years. Their defense has never been this bad. Yeah, that is, that is a national embarrassment. <laughs> Lincoln Riley should have to like walk around campus and publicly apologize to the students, the administrators, for being a joke of a head coach who does not take defense seriously when he has Caleb Williams as his quarterback. There's a reason that a lot of people coming into the year thought USC was the team to beat in the Pac-12. The reason was they arguably have the best player in the entire sport, and they are now a three-loss team who has to go to Oregon this weekend as a two-touchdown underdog. That's a loss. I don't know if they're going to beat UCLA. Maybe they will win that game. We'll UCLA is not great. They yeah. just lost at Arizona, but they maybe they like you could be a four or five loss team with the best player in the sport on your roster. That is a joke. He has to be perfect week in and week out to win. The second he fumbled at the end of the first half, you just kind of threw your arms up of like, there you go. Yeah. That's it. Their defense, if they like, score there. They're up two touchdowns. <laughs> and you're like, okay, maybe they got this. They're not going to come back and win this. And they yeah. even had a chance late and then they took a sack on a third down. They punted Washington inside the five yard line in a 45 to 40 42 game with like four minutes to go. And on the first play of the drive, they <laughs> handed it off and ran it out to midfield. <laughs> just, okay, see you later. Like, it's just, it's embarrassing how bad they are defensively. And he should have to publicly apologize day in and day out. Well, he fired Grinch finally. Yeah, that'll fix things, I'm a- sure. Alex Grinch had a moment in the second half. I want to say it was when the Huskies scored their last touchdown. I noted it in my head to bring it back for Monday show. Grinch. Went to his knees. If you're on YouTube, you can see what I'm doing. Puts his hands on his knees. He looks down just at the ground, and he looks up. And I don't know what he said, but I just filled in the blank of, I'm losing my job on Monday. And he lost it on Sunday. I love that this was the week that he got fired, by the way. Like, Washington was going to score 50. That was a cement lock of all time. If you struggle to stop Arizona State with a third-string quarterback, let me tell you what Washington's going to do to your defense. Arizona, Arizona (laughs) State. Utah. They couldn't stop Utah with a big battle. Colorado. I mean, you had like five games prior to this point. You could have shifted and maybe, maybe changed your circumstance defensively Maybe you don't give up 52. Maybe it's only 40. But you know what? You could have won the game if you only gave up 40. Yes. When you have (laughs) Caleb Williams, you can win games when you still give up 40 points. See the other side when Washington gave up 42 and won. Yes. My final thing on this. Penix is going to walk into New York. He's going to be having a billboard on his shirt. It's going to show his stats, and we're going to go, welcome. You deserve it. Bo Nix is going to walk to New York. They're going to show his stats and it's going to say at the bottom, F.U. Sprague. Yeah, bodacious. And, and I will even be like, hey, welcome. Hey, welcome to New York. Caleb Williams is going to walk in, and his shirt is just going to be all of the defensive metrics. <laughs> and we'll go, you have one, oh, we only lost four games? How is that possible? How did you do this? And he'll be like, I'm Caleb Williams. So, yeah, he's not going to get New York. But if you look in the grand scheme of college football, which I want to get to in a minute, I don't know how you keep him out. His stats are stupid. 
it's like Lamar winning, coming back and doing it again, but we don't give it to him again. It's the same kind of thing here. His numbers are amazing. And without him, that oh, defense God. you tout, oh, God. they might be 3-7, and seven, if not 2-8. and eight. But a loss to Arizona. Uh, they already lost the Utah game. They, the Arizona State game was a little uncomfortable. Like you're I think he would have lost. No, Caleb Williams, I think yeah. you lose that game. It's, like, it's really bad. I will say, anybody who criticizes Caleb Williams for crying after the game, like, dude, just go touch grass and look at the sun. Like, for the love of God, be better than that. The funny part about it, though, was that Caleb Williams trolled Max Duggan last year. Do you see that? So Max Duggan, I think it was when they lost the Big 12 title game. TC was undefeated all year, lost, lost the Big 12. State, yeah. He cried in the post-game press conference. I remember that. Caleb Williams sent out an LOL tweet of yeah. a picture of Max Duggan crying and then there was the picture of Caleb Williams crying and Max Duggan returned the favor with a quote tweet saying LOL at <laughs> Caleb Williams so he had a little bit of that coming his way yes, it's he still did. like I'm not gonna like dude this these guys are passionate and I he de- he deserves to cry because he has been hung out to dry by his head coach who doesn't take that side of the football seriously and deserves all the criticism in the world. Like, you can go fire Alex Grinch. It's hilarious they do it after the Washington game. Dude, it's embarrassing. This is the way he's always been as a head coach. He doesn't take defense seriously. It's a culture and it's an identity. And until he does, I'm not buying USC to win anything meaningful. Uh, coming up next, an observation of Oregon after they thump Cal. We'll get into some more Pac-12 stuff as well. Dirt and Sprague back with more on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, um, we have a lot to get to today. How are we feeling about the uh, in-season NBA Cup? Huh? Well, let's start to that. Blazers huh? are 1-0 hey, about their group. And damn right they are. Oh, I got some thoughts. <laughs> and Jeremy, if you're listening, the listener who tweeted me in Sprague this weekend, don't encourage this behavior, okay? Don't encourage this. Behavior. Jeremy knows. He's a real one. <laughs> I don't even think the NBA players know what's going on. <laughs> well, they know. Yeah, they know multiple the, quotes. Like, uh, I don't think they know how it works. Lillard they don't know quote. how it works. They know looking at the court, it's like, oh. Lillard had a quote a listener alerted me to that was like, yeah, I don't, like, the court's different, so I'm guessing this is a tournament game, but I don't really get, I don't really know what's going on. There was, a, I think it was somebody, was it Maxie in Philly had a quote of like, dude, nobody knows what's happening. I thought in the whiteboard in the rock room it would say, for the cup. <laughs> and uh, apparently it's not. <laughs> it's 
We'll get to a little Blazer thoughts. Don't worry. Yeah, we got yeah. some thoughts to we'll get, get to. Um, I want to stick in college football. I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to like at all. I saw a tweet yesterday. You shut your mouth over there when you're talking to me. I'm going to read this off, okay? And then I'll tell you my take. Okay. All right. Here we go. Oregon's resume gets weaker the more I look at it. Here are all their top 65 football power index rating games. Texas Tech is 32nd. They won by eight. Mm-hmm. Utah's 21st. They won that comfortably. And UW is 15th. They lost. Mm-hmm. That's one close win, one big win, and a loss against competent teams. That's not dominant. When you compare Bama to Oregon, the resumes aren't close. Oregon's second hardest game would be Bama's sixth hardest game. Uh, you compare to Texas, somewhat similar. That from at CFB nerds on Twitter, college football nerds who go into things like FPI <laughs> okay. and evaluate their feelings on things. Uh-huh. Let me respond to the nerds. <laughs> well, if you're into the FPI, you're an idiot because the FPI is very high on Oregon. <laughs> One of the most controversial things I think I'm ever going to say. Oh, God. I think this is your best year to win a title ever. I hate you. And I know you hate that, and I get it. I I know Duck fans don't like to hear too many good things, but like you can't say anything negative, so I'll have to find a sweet spot for you. Yeah, you got to find a balance there. But in all seriousness, I think right now if they play UW again in a neutral site, I would give the edge that there would be more Duck fans in Vegas than UW fans. Prove me wrong, dog fans. I will pick Oregon to win that game, and it'd be somewhere in the same margin of three points, you know, give or take either side. I'd still take Oregon as a dog or favorite. I look at their schedule. I'm not seeing the loss. I'm watching this team. I'm seeing incredible numbers put up by their quarterback. They're balanced. They're the first or second most efficient team in college football on any given week with Michigan. Michigan can't win a playoff game to save their lives, and now they've gotten rid of their porn star spy, Connor Stallions, Dirt, they've had good teams. You could even tell me they've had slightly better teams in your estimation. Never has a season in college football looked like it's more open for a program like Oregon to walk in and say, hello to our first championship here. I watched a lot of these games this week. I don't watch as much football as Andy Dirt Johnson. No, you do not. But I watched. I was not in a rainstorm on the freeway. I watched a lot of football on Saturday. There, what team scares you? You could do this in the past. I don't believe we're there. You can say Georgia out of respect. Okay, I'll listen. I've seen Georgia play. I think they can get got. I think this is Oregon's best shot. If Oregon loses on Saturday, I might murder you on Monday. Just to just alert the authorities. Blame your D coordinator, your head coach, not me. It's Frigg's body goes missing, and he's not here to do the show. I just want to alert the authorities something funny might happen. I. Uh, it, it was funny watching the game on Saturday that had like the first quarter was really weird. I don't know if I've ever seen two dumber turnovers than what Oregon had in the first quarter of that game. The tipped pick, the t- <laughs> like on the first play of the game, like yeah. oh god, here we go. It's a downpour. This is like stupid things happen in this stupid sport. And first play of the game, you have Tez Johnson play volleyball with a football and bat it to a Cal DB, and then you proceed a few drives later to hike a ball off of his leg, going in motion, allowing Cal to score an easy defensive touchdown. They only scored two touchdowns on the game. That was one of them. That was one of their touchdowns. That came out all the makings of it's raining. You're coming off an emotional win. Here comes Cal. You've been in dogfights with Cal in years past. Like, don't let this be dumb. And then you look up at halftime and you're like, oh, my God. That went from being 14 to 13 to this is a blowout. 
maybe quicker than any Oregon game that I can remember in a long time. Even in the second half, Cal scored on their opening drive of the second half, and that was a two-possession game. It was a 16-point game. They didn't get the two-point conversion, but still, it's like, what, 35-19? Like, that's if you get stopped, like, all right, something weird could happen. You look up at the end of the game, that you won by 44 points. And there was, like, the, the word that I would use out of this weekend, and this is true of Oregon State as well, is perspective. Like, I, I've had a weird thing this year when Oregon plays outside of UW and USC this weekend because you're still going to play them, that I, I get a little nostalgic thinking about games against some of these teams. Like, the first game when I was a student at Oregon that all the students were back on campus was the Cam Colvin fumble through the end zone Cal game. And my buddy Big Dave and I did the Surrender Cobra before Surrender Cobra was a thing. And I'll never forget that game the rest of my life. I'll never forget the Cliff Harris punt return in 2010 to save the undefeated season. That was against Cal. I do this when Oregon plays these games. I think back to past matchups. Oregon, to your point about having their best shot, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. They've had these moments. Like, of of the last three or four full seasons, Oregon has been a one-loss team going into November. And every single year, it has crashed and burned. They did it against Arizona State in 2019. 2021, it was Utah. Last year, it was Washington and Oregon State. All three of those years, they were one lost team going into November, and it burned. That's why there's a bit of trepidation and going too far with proclamations for me. But I did have the perspective of, do you remember the Cal game in 2021? You um, probably don't. No. But they played Cal at Holmes. Last time Cal came to Austin, two, uh, two years ago. That was the year that they beat Ohio State, mm-hmm. and they were a bad team, good team, and then a horrible team. They lost to Stanford, right? Cal came to town in no different shape than they are now. You know, whatever. Bad, middle of the road. Middle bad, of the road yeah. to a bad team. Yeah. The Oregon needed a goal line stand mm-hmm. to win that game. 24- that was Kayvon, right? That was on that Kayvon last went drive. crazy yeah. on the last right. drive. He yeah. was knocked out of the first half for a targeting call, That's came right. back in the second half, dominated the game. They won 24 to 17, and Cal had like eight shots inside the 10 yard line to win the game, and they couldn't do it. And it was a perspective moment for me of Oregon was good that year. They they made it all the way to the Utah blowouts as a one-loss team. Somehow, some way, they kept eking out wins as the year went on, and then everything crumbled at the end. But to go from that to two years later to you had a you played a really bad game on Saturday in a lot of different measurables, and you won by 44 points against a decent offense, it was perspective of how far the program has come. Well, you've upgraded your head coach. I don't think that's debatable. I don't, no. you know, Pac-12 title, no Pac-12 title. It's early for Dan Lanning. I, I can comfortably tell you I've seen Mario coach at Miami and Oregon, and now <laughs> I've seen Dan Lanning for almost two years. I would take Dan Lanning, and I wouldn't hesitate at all about it. Uh, I think you can make arguments that they, up not upgraded, but, pivoted just fine out of an OC hire, that doesn't happen for a lot of programs, man. No. It's an underrated element of college football is when you lose a coordinator. There are a lot of programs right now searching and looking around going, what happened? What happened? We didn't hit the guy. Look at Dabo and Clemson. He's having to proclaim by stocking us at 4-4 four and four <laughs> because you won. Like, okay. You beat a bad average Notre Dame team. I, I know that you have this traumatizing experience and past and moments with teams and whatnot, and I get that you're not going to join me in the waters. But to the point that I made originally, you cannot refute the point. And that point is college football does not have a whole lot of teams you're scared of. Now, can can Bama beat Oregon? Could Georgia beat Oregon? Could Michigan beat Oregon? Can Ohio State beat Oregon? I mean, maybe some of these teams on their best day, playing well, can absolutely do it. But it used to be like, oh, don't say the whole thing we don't want to hear. We want Bama. You couldn't chant that. That was like a no-no. And when you did, everybody was going like, oh, why are you doing that? That's not the case in college football, man. And Georgia could prove me wrong here. Bama's rolling. They're going. They're looking like they're going to go to the SEC title game now. Uh, and they're running the football at an incredible clip. 
Florida State has eked out some ugly wins. UW beat you, but they beat you by a field goal at home, so that's a road game. The SP Plus is telling me Oregon is like seven teams better than UW. I I just think it's okay to acknowledge that some of these things that Oregon has are better than they've had maybe ever. And I'm looking at college football as a whole saying, somehow, some way, I had a take that you've closed a 45 or 46-point gap from a year ago against Georgia to, I think, and I don't think it's crazy, Oregon could win the game. And that's insane to talk about in terms of growth as a program and evolution under a coach. And while, again, I understand most Duck fans don't want to say this and people who hate the Ducks are going to get all mad, I think the reality is that's one of the scariest teams in all of football right now. They play poorly and they still win by 40. And the rest of the college football world isn't really blowing people away. So you might not want to sit in it, but I'm saying it right now in early November because they have USC at home. I think they win. And if they stay healthy the rest of the way, I think they can win the conference, get to a playoff, and make any of those other four teams very uncomfortable. From a coaching angle, too, the other one of the bigger takeaways that I honestly had from Saturday, not surprised that Oregon won. I, I picked Cal to cover the spread because I knew the weather was going to be bad, and you tell me they find a backdoor touchdown. Similar to Wazoo, I wouldn't have been shocked. One of the bigger takeaways from that game, and this is this is a dumb thing that will play out in the future, but nonetheless I got extremely excited about, this new coaching staff maybe has fixed Ty Thompson because he looked awesome I'm late not, in that I'm game. I'm ready to do yeah. I mean, hey, you want to overreact to Aiden Childs in garbage time? That's fine. Let me overreact to Ty Thompson. You were the okay? one that reacted to Aiden <laughs> Childs today, not Look, me. Beaver fans have been pumping him up all year. They're going to start Ty Thompson next year? I don't know. That's what I'm, uh, I think you do know. You're thinking about it if he's going to play that way when he comes into games. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. He um, looked, he looked great. Like, yeah. He looked great. What was the score? I mean, they won by 40 and he led two of their touchdown drives. Yeah. I'm just, I, I don't, you're bringing up an irrelevant, <laughs> what does Ty Thompson have anything to do with this? Because you never know when a quarterback's going to get hurt. You never know what the, like the, the beautiful, beautiful thing about college football is that you're always looking at this year and the future and where your program is going. And Oregon needs to figure out where their quarterback is going to be next year. It might be a transfer. Yeah. It might be Ty Thompson. I don't know what they're going to do. They have put him into games in years past and he has looked awful. He has looked unprepared. He throws picks. It doesn't look good. And every time they brought him in this year, there's been a there's been a significant sign of growth, and it's really encouraging to see that a staff who has another year with a player can at least start to pull that out. Is Ty Thompson going to be Heisman Trophy winner? I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying he looks drastically better than he did over the last two years. Is this your way of like avoiding what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about backup quarterback. I'm just talking your way of avoiding. No, I'm not it avoiding and... anything. Okay. I just thought that was a takeaway from the game. Oh, okay. When Aiden Childs comes in in garbage time early in the season, you guys got jacked about it, did you not? Well, yeah, it's a slightly different situation. How is though. it different? It's a young quarterback coming into game in a garbage time. Ty Thompson's not a young quarterback. You cannot be in college football for four years. I know. Red Shirt sophomore. Not, this is his third year of college football. Okay. Three, three years is a long time to be in college football. <laughs> it is, and that's why it's nice that he's showing signs of life. I, okay. Right. I, I guess. I don't know what you want me to do with this Ty Thompson take. Uh, it has nothing to, to do, do with anything I'm talking about. You don't have to do anything with it. I'm not touching your take. That's okay. You don't have to touch the take. But when it happens, you can look at me and say, good take. I wish I would have had the balls to get in with you. The water was warm. Yeah, and if they lose, I'm going to murder you. Well, you blame your defensive coordinator because I'm assuming that's what happens. We have a lot to get to, a lot more in the Pac-12 uh, other college football, we had some upsets happen. One team kind of eliminated from the playoff this weekend. So we'll get to that coming up. A little more NFL, Dirt and Sprague, and some Blazer Talk next on The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Well, let's get to the Beavers. We talked about them at 6.15 this morning. They go on the road to Colorado, another Pac-12 after dark game. You guys got a 2.30 kick this week. That's nice. Home game at 2.30? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't be less enthused for a football game. I, I might not watch this live. Like, that's how uninterested I am in watching Stanford football. Stanford's not very good, Bob. They're and, not very good. And it's a home game. It is a home game, or it should be a blowout. Yeah. This one was not, and it was a dogfight late. Colorado going into the game, or late in the first half, I should say. Uh, Colorado going into the game fired, or basically fired their offensive coordinator. No, they didn't fire him. They replaced him. He was on the sideline. He was still there, but yeah. they they decided they their offensive coordinator was the problem, and we're going to change who calls the plays, and then evade questions about it all night. Colorado going into the fourth quarter had scored five points. They had five points going into the fourth quarter. How'd they get five points? Uh, well, one of them was uh, one of the dumber things that I've seen happen in a college football game, mm. and this is why this sport's stupid. It's because Oregon State went for two and then hiked it overhead, and here we go. Here comes your two-point conversion returned the other way. You'd already made the extra point. Too. Yeah, That's, you took the point off yeah. the board and you gave two points to the other team. This was a game. It was a 7-3 game late in the first half, and Oregon State pinned Colorado inside the five-yard line with less than a minute to go. Colorado's idea was to throw three straight incomplete passes and then punt the ball immediately back to Oregon State and allow them basically a 40-yard fuel going in. They scored a touchdown. When that thing happened, you kind of knew the game was over. It was the momentum swing that Oregon State needed. But how did we feel? 26-19, the final. Colorado covers the two-touchdown spread. You struggled, then you won by 10. You won on the road, which is never easy, which you deserve credit for every time you win on the road. Uh, but a lot of the th- same things that have bothered me watching this team play home versus road showed their ugly head again. I would ask if we could just take the headset of the head coach during special team moments. Like, I just prefer that uh, at this point. Keep him out of it and just make the calls yourself because I don't know what we're doing here. Back-to-back weeks, you have these bad moments, and I'm glad the two points didn't come back to, you know, rear their ugly head. I watched a Colorado team dirt. Kind of looked like a team ready to roll over, and Shador looked uninterested, and he was taking massive hits, and I thought he was going to leave for the whole game once he left the locker room. And you were in a dogfight with that. Dion called a timeout with two seconds to go. The game was over. I don't know what that was about. He demoted his offensive coordinator on a Friday, which is probably a smart move to bring in checks notes. Pat Shermer, who has no real great success record of offensive coaching in his life as an OC. And what did their offense do? Significantly less production, significantly less successful. 
I give Oregon State's defense a lot of credit, obviously. But you eked out what you were you were supposed to win, and you won. You didn't cover, and most of that game I'm screaming in my living room, this is why, Dirt, all week. No, I ain't going to bludgeon this team. When they go on the road, they are not to be taken seriously as a legit contender in this conference. They become a less-than team. For whatever reason, it just is. And you mentioned the quarterback play. It was hard not to watch most of that game. And once you got past Brock Osweiler seeing DJ's last name wrong, watching that game and seeing Aiden Giles come in and wheel and deal, and most of that point, DJ had struggled. Uh, it wasn't impressive nope. is what I'm saying. So, yeah, good road win, but you do need to point out the tendencies continue on the road to be a little different than they are at home. Yeah, I thought that offensive performance was was really disappointing. Like, Colorado's defense is bad. Yes. Bad, bad, And we bad. couldn't score 30. And without Dion handing you an absolute gift at the end of the first half, that's a 7-3 game at the half. And that's and the only touchdown drive that would have been scored at that point was by Aiden Childs, who did it running around making play. He didn't even complete a pass. He just scrambled around and was using his legs. They couldn't really establish a dominant ground game, which it felt like they would be able to despite the injuries that they've had up front. And I guess, look, some of that I you know give credit to Colorado, I guess. Maybe they're playing more inspired defense. They weren't horrible a week ago against UCLA. They forced a bunch of turnovers. So maybe they're playing more competently on that side of the ball. But it was it was a game where I expected Oregon State to pre- to go in and pretty easily score forty. If it ended up being similar to the you know cow game earlier this year, I wouldn't have been shocked by it. Mm. Like Colorado can score points. That was the only thing that they could do all season. And then they demote their offensive coordinator and they couldn't score a touchdown until uh, Oregon State basically went into a prevent prevent defense in the fourth quarter. Let's talk a little bit more about this though coming up next and just the feelings on the quarterback position because Oregon State has one more week where you have a tune up basically that's an automatic win and then you get that final stretch against Washington. And Oregon, and a lot of that, a lot of how we feel about their season is going to be defined by those final two weeks. So we'll talk a little bit more about this. Your thoughts are welcome. Vancouver Ford text line 503-864-6326. Back after this on the fam. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thought on the uh, YouTube chat, we're talking about Oregon State. They beat Colorado. Touchdown win, 26-19, your final in Boulder. I brought it up earlier. I, You know, I as my voice cracks, I... There, there were moments in that first half that I thought, you know, is this the time to make a change? It was not looking pretty with DJ, a quarterback. They were really struggling to move the ball. He was under pressure a lot and not getting at, not getting rid of it, not using his legs as he should. Aiden Childs ended up using his legs, and that's how they scored that touchdown. Uh, comments that Aiden Childs isn't there yet. He still throws at least one ball that should be picked each series. I, you know, I don't know about each series. He's had a couple of those. He had a near one against Arizona a week ago. Uh, there was a close call in this game in the drive that he was in. He's a freshman, so you're going to have mistakes like that. There, there was an aspect, though, just watching the juice that he brought when he was in the game that it was I, – I don't know how close the staff got to that. And DJ ended up – they got that turnover late. They scored the touchdown. You go 14-3. to Like, you're obviously not going to make a change there. But it was it was less than stellar quarterback play, I would argue, for the second week in a row for Oregon State, and that was something 
that I did not see coming because of how bad Colorado's defense was. So again, you got one more tune-up this week against Stanford. Stanford's. I mean, I, somebody texted in. How did the easily winnable game against Stanford go for Washington State? Like Washington State's in a tailspin, man. They've lost five games in a row. I that I is. Didn't, an, I, I didn't see him losing though. I didn't see him losing that game I mean, to Stanford. No, but Stan, But they also got. They lost forty-four to six at home to Arizona, man. Forty-four to six at home. Like Washington State has not been right for a while. They couldn't score an offensive touchdown against UCLA. Like that team has been struggling mightily. I think Oregon State's playing a different level of football than them right now. I know they lost to them earlier this year. Hmm. But they have one more week where you got a chance to tune it up, and then we'll find out about Oregon State and how their season's going to end because you get Washington and Oregon in the last two weeks. But I just I, I was less than impressed, I would say, by the quarterback performance. And DJ has his moments when the ball's out on time, when he's playing on schedule, that he looks great. And then he has moments when that can't happen because his first read or whatever is taken away. And it just it's a struggle bus for him at some times, man. To the listener's point, though, you think last year's team is better than this year's, do you not? For Oregon State? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, defensively, I think they brought a they brought a punch that this team doesn't defensively. And I know the quarterback play was horrible last year, but I think the defense outweighed the negatives there. They had to beat Stanford on the very last play of the game yeah. last year, and that Stanford team was atrocious. Yeah. So, like, kind of to the listener's point, I— That game I, was on the road, though. It was a road-home thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the only thing that holds me back from questioning if they can win this weekend is you play home. You haven't been home in a couple weeks— you fire it up for a couple home games before you go to Eugene. You got two more home games left this year. Uh, this should be one that they run away with. I, I would also counter and say you have more weeks where I would say you are unimpressed with their quarterback play than impressed. Yeah. So why are we surprised? Yeah, I don't know necessarily that we're surprised. I think part of it is the opponent, like going in to play a defense as bad as Colorado's. That was the surprising part for me. But it doesn't matter the opponent when when you have clearly shown in the last two seasons you have no ability to go on the road and look great. Yeah. You play the worst team in conference and barely win that game. You can play good teams on conference and you get blown out. See Utah. That's kind of what their identity is. They're a home team. If... if you know, Washington coming to Corvallis November, I want to say it's 18th. I bought my tickets this weekend. I'm excited and hoping to see an upset. What I would say on the topic you're specifically bringing up is if they are in that game and they're down multiple scores and this offense looks the same, that's when I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe an insertion of a young quarterback. I don't think they're going to start him, though, in Eugene. No. I think ultimately this is DJ's job the rest of the year. But in a game where their offense is doing what they did at Colorado and struggling, not scoring, uh, not pushing the ball on the ground the way that they're used to, I, I could see the UW game being 21-3, to 21-7. And at that point, Jonathan going, I, I need offense. I have to do something. Here comes Aiden Childs for another drive. Oh, that drive was not bad. Here's Aiden Childs. But I think the very following week, he would just start DJ on the road in Eugene because that's asking a lot of a true freshman. I think it's easier to look good in small doses than to be in it every possession. Oh, to 100%. And and I, I some of this is on DJ. There's no doubt. It has not been quite what I think Oregon State fan was hoping for. 
His lack of mobility has been questionable at best. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't understand why he doesn't use his legs and take off and I, run more. Things collapse around yeah. him. The pocket is their offensive line had a rough night on Saturday night, which is not something that we expected going in. He had moments where there there's lanes, there's holes there, and he just stands around, stands around, stands around, and he doesn't make quick decisions. He doesn't step up in pockets. No. It feels like he just like he lingers, he lingers, he waits, he waits. Oh, there's a guy tackling him and he's trying to throw it as he's getting tackled or he takes a massive loss. That's frustrating, but that's also been their season. Their 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 pass protection numbers are are bad. Yeah, they're not good. They're not good. They're one of the worst or most given up pressure offensive lines in the conference. Their running attack is where their bread and butter is. Now, when they're at home again, they're a different team. I won't be shocked to see Aiden a lot more in the UW game if things get bad, but that's also a home game, and they're a different team at home. Very so true. this should be your get-right tune-up game before you get into the last two games of your season. And you know your season is what it is. It's going to be eight and four or nine and three. I don't. I cannot see a scenario where they win out. I just can't. And I. Not every fan wants to hear that. Not everybody wants to say that out loud. You can't win on the road against almost anybody, or you struggle to. So good luck in your Eugene game. And by the way, at that point, Oregon's probably playing for what a, a solidifying the Pac-12 title game berth. So there you go. And then your home game against UW. That's a coin flip. Mm-hmm. You could win that game. I'm. I'm certainly not going to dismiss the idea of it, but UW gets up for big games, and they kind of have one specific area of offense that is the weakness of Oregon State's defense, and that's passing the football. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I'll be surprised if they get through it, but I think this is a nine and three, eight and four team overall. That's kind of where it feels like they're going to end up. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I used the word perspective earlier with Oregon. I always try and do that when I'm following my teams of just remembering where where have you where you've been and being thankful for the things that you have as a fan. And and there was a moment on Saturday night as they win, and it's kind of a you're never disappointed in a win, but it wasn't it wasn't certainly the way the game played out that I thought it would when we talked about it last week. And it was just interesting to think of like, yeah, you kind of left with a sour taste in your mouth, yet you got your seventh win of the season, you're seven and two. I think you're going to win this weekend. I don't think Stanford has a chance in hell in winning in Corvallis. Um, and you're going to get to eight and two. Your two losses are a, by a combined six points. Lost by a field goal to Washington State. Lost by a field goal to Arizona. And some of that is a little misleading, sure. though. I'll you, say that, sure. too, as an Oregon State guy. You like You were down late and six you scored. Yeah. You, you we're getting blown out by Washington nope. State. Blown out. No, I'm not pushing back on that at all. But it is the reality. You've lost two games that were close. The Washington State game, a little misleading in the final score. Arizona, you, had, you should have won the Arizona game. That was a back and forth that you... You were in control late, and you let it slip through your fingers. And you're seven and two, and there's that disappointed feeling in your mouth of like God, because of how close you are. But also, it's I think important to remind yourself of like, dude, imagine saying that to a Beaver fan five years ago. Like your team's going to be seven and two. You're going to go on the road and win against Deion Sanders. You'd say, wait, Deion Sanders is coaching college football. You're going to be seven and two with three games to go in the season. Probably going to move to eight and two, and there's going to be a hair of disappointment that comes with it. It's good perspective of where the program is. You're in tier two of the conference. Yeah, you are in the top tier, two tiers of the conference. If you broke it down into tier ranks, there's a tier one. It's Oregon, Washington, and nobody else. Mm-hmm. And then tier two, I, Oregon State, um, Utah's Utah, in there. yeah, Arizona, yeah, Arizona. I mean, Arizona beat Oregon State, so they just let's beat be fair UCLA here. too. Yeah. Like they're playing good ball. I, I, yeah, I expected UCLA to lose that game, but um, yeah, that's probably the tier two, and then tier three is you know USC, and USC is close to a tier two team just because of Caleb. Yeah. Like they're not a tier two team, 
but Caleb can get anybody. So the Beavers get a win on Saturday night, 26-19 the final. They move to 7-2 and two on the year, and uh, they get one more tune-up against Stanford, and then the, the fun final two weeks of the season, Washington at home, and then obviously the Civil War the day after, the, uh, after Thanksgiving. I thought a Beaver fan put it really well. O- Jonathan Smith did such a good job rebuilding the program up yes. that he created an expectation that now he is not living up to in yes. some people's minds. I'm disappointed with a loss on the schedule, too, really, if you look at Washington State now. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's still a pretty damn good place to be in where you're disappointing in an eight win season. Yeah, you might win nine. nine. Maybe you pull Maybe off the nine. Washington win, right. and you're nine nine and three this <laughs> right. year, and you're going to humbug that season. It feels, well, I wouldn't humbug it. It just, it would hurt because you look back at a couple of laws and go, sure. oh, cut a little bin. But that's still a remarkable year for Oregon State. They won 10 games last year. They still got a shot to win 10 games this year because they're going to go to a bowl game. And so if you get two more in the regular season, you got a shot of getting to back-to-back 10-win seasons, which I don't believe has ever happened in the history of Oregon State football. So uh, there are things to feel good about in Corvallis, no doubt. we got a lot to get to in the final hour of the show. A couple of more college football notes, including an all-time no-call. Was it on purpose? Uh, some more upsets in the college football landscape. We'll talk about the stupid in-season tournament. That needs to get discussed. And some other NFL thoughts. It is a loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Sprague on 10. 1080 the fam. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.